Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. One of our goals here at CCGF is to help you take your next step toward Jesus and the person God designed you to be. We hope our sermons help you to take that next step. If you would like more information about the community here at Christ Church at Grove Farm, or if you would like to contact us, you can do all of that and more on our website, which is ccgf.org. And to get an even further taste of who we are, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Now, here is this week's message, grace and peace to you. Christ Church, I'm standing in a sanctuary, and it's absolutely almost empty. And I'm trusting that you're back home, and you are live streaming. And as all the pastors have thanked God for technology, I'm, I'm grateful as well, and I, I thank God for the staff that put this service together so that we can all Worship, pray together, and I have the privilege of opening up the word of God to you. You know, our God reigns. He's still on the throne. So let's continue in our Lenten series, which is called Do This in Remembrance of Me. The title of our sermon is called Let Us Pray. You have your Bibles open to Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 4, and we're also going to be going over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. And they've already read the passage for us, so we're going to look at verse 2 in Luke where it specifically says, your kingdom come. We're also going to be looking at the parallel passage found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. We know this very well because we repeat it every Sunday. Where Matthew adds the words, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we'll be studying is this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I have a question for you. Do you believe that your prayers really can make a difference? Do you pray, do you believe that your prayers matter? I believe some of you are saying, yeah, Pastor Ed, I I believe my prayers matter. But in light of what's going on in our world today, some of you might be questioning or doubting whether or not your prayers can really affect the impact of the coronavirus. You might be thinking, well, if If the Apostle Paul was around, he could definitely change the corona situation or Pastor John or Pastor Craig or one of the pastors. But I don't know if I'd go as far as to say as my prayers will make a difference. Anyway, why do I have to pray? Isn't God's will always being done? Well, I've been in ministry for 33 years and I've had that question asked of me many times. The question is this, do we really have to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven? Isn't God's will always being done? Good question. And I hope by the time I'm preaching, I've answered that question. And I also hope that I have brought a conviction where you are convinced that your prayers matter. You know, before we go any further, though, it'd be good to do exactly that, to pray together. Father, we come to you and... I would ask in the name of Jesus that you would forgive me and cleanse me of any sin and you would fill me with your spirit. You would speak through me to your people and we as your people wouldn't just be hearers of your word, we'd be doers of it. And you wouldn't just stir us, but that you would change us. For Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. In World War II, there was an army platoon that was under enemy fire. They were pinned down. And they were pinned down in a bunker for some time, and finally the lieutenant looked up over the bunker, and he saw one of his soldiers who had been wounded. 
still alive, but about 50 yards out. So he looked at one of his soldiers and said, hey, I want you to get up, go out, get that soldier, and bring him back to us. Meanwhile, there's bombs going off all around them, bullets flying over their heads. So the soldier looked at the lieutenant and said, why me? Why me? He said, because I chose you. So quickly, the soldier began to look at his watch, and he began to stare at it. Finally, the lieutenant looked at him and said, soldier, I've given you an order. Get up and get moving. And the soldier looked at the lieutenant and said, just give me a few minutes, just a few minutes. And he continued to look at his watch. And as he continued to look, then finally he bounced out of that bunker, ran out into the field, grabbed that soldier, put him on his shoulders, ran back into the bunker. Meanwhile, bombs were going off. (laughs) Bullets were flying over his head. But when he got back to the bunker, he was unscathed. And he saved that soldier's life. Minutes later, the lieutenant came back up to him and said, Soldier, why did you keep looking at your watch? The soldier said, because I had to wait till it was 4 o'clock. And the lieutenant looked at him and said, why would you have to wait till it's 4 o'clock? He said, because when I joined the army, my mother told me that every day she would be praying for me at 4 o'clock. You know, it's kind of a funny story, but it's a true one. It's a true one. And I believe, without any question in my mind, I believe that prayer works. I believe it significantly makes an impact. I believe it so much because I've experienced it in my own life, my family, and in the ministry. Let me give you an example of a time when prayer impacted my life. One Christmas Eve, I was picking up two boys that were coming over to have Christmas with my family, and they were up in the Northview Heights, up in the projects. So I drove up there, and I was picking these two kids up, and I saw two boys running down the street. So I pulled over, rolled down the window, and and beeped the horn and waved them to come over, thinking they were the two boys I was supposed to pick up. And when I rolled down the window, I heard gunshots, and those boys were running towards those gunshots. And as they kept coming closer to me, I realized these were not the two boys I was supposed to pick up. They were older and had trench coats on, and underneath those trench coats, they had guns. And I didn't know if they were going to kill me, beat me up, take my car, or all three. I didn't know, and I sure didn't ask. And it was too late anyway, because they were in my car. And when they got in my car, I began to pray. I said, Lord, not out loud, but in my mind, Lord, your will be done. Right then, one of the boys looked at me and said, are you a police officer? And I was so scared, I I didn't want to lie, but I didn't know if I told the truth, if it was going to help me or hurt me. So this is how I responded. I said, kind (laughs) of. Kinda. And immediately those two boys opened the car doors, got out, and began to run towards those gunshots. And what did I do? I drove away. They didn't have cell phones in those days, but I finally found those two boys, got those kids, we went home. We celebrated Christmas. Two days later, I was at the church. I was walking around, and I ran into a, a saint. She's an older woman, a prayer warrior, and her name was Alice Rittenbaugh. And Alice Rittenbaugh came up to me and said, you know what, Pastor Ed? Two nights ago, I was awakened. And I was burdened for you. And I began to pray, oh God, protect Pastor Ed. What happened? What was going on in your life two days ago? I told her. Then I said this. I said, Alice, when when were you praying? What was the time? And the time she was praying was the exact time those boys were coming over to my car. Listen, God used Alice to rescue me in her prayers by praying. 
I believe with all my heart that if that mother, the soldier's mother, and Alice would not have prayed, the end of those stories would have been drastically different. But because they prayed, the end of those stories are triumphant, not tragic ones. Which leads us to our passage this morning about where Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. And he says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whenever the Bible talks about the will of God, we, we need to remember that the will of God has two aspects to it. There are two Greek words used in reference to God's will. And they are bole and thy they they lima. The they lima. Let's look first of all at bule. Bule refers to the ultimate will of God, his unchangeable plans. These are events that are going to occur no matter what man does or what man doesn't do. In Isaiah chapter 14, 24, it says, The Lord Almighty has sworn, Surely as I have planned, so it will be. And as I have purposed, so it will stand. You see, no one or nothing will ever change the ultimate, ultimate will of God. No one. Nothing will change his unchangeable plans. So here's some examples of what God's unchangeable plans are. Christ's return. Christ is going to return no matter what. He will return. The resurrection of the saints. Those of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, we will be resurrected with the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven will be our home. The final judgment, it will occur. And there, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. In spite of evil, history will arrive at the destination God intended from the beginning. With that being said, let's look at the second word that describes God's will in the scriptures. And that is, again is thelema. Thelema. Thelema means the intent of God or deep, deep desire of his heart that requires man's obedience for its accomplishment. Let me read that again. It means the intent of God or the deep, deep desire of his heart that requires man's obedience for its accomplishment. The word is used 62 times in the scriptures, and every time it's referring to God's desire, desires of his heart, which hinges on man's obedience. Let me give you some examples. In 1 Thess Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it says this, this is the will of God, your sanctification. The will of God is that we are sanctified. Does that mean that all of us are sinless, that we don't sin anymore, that we're all sanctified right now? No. The only way that we're sanctified, the only way the will of God is completed or occurs is if we are obedient, and then it's accomplished. If we'll obey the Holy Spirit, obey the Word of God, and then we'll be sanctified. We'll take on the mind and, and the attitudes and the character of Jesus. But if we don't do that, we won't be sanctified. Here's some other examples. When God created man, was it his desire that man would sin? Is it his desire that we would experience physical death? No, not at all. When Abraham lied about his wife, was it God's intent that, was it God's intent that, that Abraham would lie? No. When Israel was led out of Egypt, was it God's desire that they would wander in the wilderness for 40 years? No. In, in 2 Peter Chapter 3, verse 9, it says, God is not willing that any should perish, but they all should come to repentance. 
The statistics tell us, statistics tell us every time I snap my finger, someone dies without Christ and they go to a Christless eternity. Is that God's will? No. He desires that no one would perish. They would all come to repentance. So you see, when Jesus is teaching us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, the word will there is not the ultimate will of God. That's not what he's referring to. We don't really even have to pray for that. That's going to happen. Nothing's going to change that. But what Jesus is telling us to pray about is God's deep desires. That's the word that's used in our passage. It's talking about God's deep, deep desires. And why does he say we're to pray that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven? Because in heaven there's one will being done. It's God's. But on this earth there are eight, close to eight billion wills. And those wills can go against the will of God. Not the ultimate will of God but his desires. You see, God says, my people, pray that my desires would be accomplished. You know, there's a lot of things going on in our world that God doesn't desire. Murder, hatred, racism, lust, injustice, deceit. He doesn't want any of that. It isn't the the will of God. It isn't the desire of his heart that someone's murdered or aborted or abused. I've heard people say this. I remember this one time I... A drunk driver was driving down the road, crossed the line, and killed six people in a car. And I heard someone say, it must have been the will of God. That was not the will of God. God did not desire that to happen. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ came to die on a cross and was raised again from the dead so those things could stop happening. So they they would stop. And one of the ways they stop is when you and I, who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we lock arms and we agree in Jesus' name. And we we agreed that his desires would be going on in this planet. They would be accomplished. They would be unleashed in the situations in which we live. When we pray that way, lives, situations, circumstances are changed because God intervenes. We as God's people have the responsibility and the privilege, the absolute privilege to unleash God's desires in this world today. So, as, so for such a time as this, if we pray, if we pray, significant change can take place in history. We can change the situation. I'm not saying that everything you pray for, God's going to give you. I'm not saying when everyone who's sick, when you pray, they're going to be healed. I am not saying that when you pray about a circumstance that it's going to turn out the way that you prayed, that you desired. What we remember, what we're praying is that God's will, God's desires would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Remember when the Lord Jesus Christ was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And he was waiting for his betrayer and he's waiting for his executioners. He was agonizing in prayer, agonizing, praying, oh God, oh God, take this cup from me, but don't take this cup. Your will, your, your will be done, not my will. And that cup was, he knew where he was going to suffer. He knew what he was going. He was going to the cross. But he finally said, not my will, but your will, Father. And thank God he did, because if he didn't, you and I wouldn't be here today. We wouldn't be believers. We wouldn't be heading home to have heaven to be our home. Listen, 
when God answers prayer, he answers prayer basically in four ways. Number one, he will answer your prayer sometimes quickly. He'll give you a yes or a no. Another way he'll, he'll answer your prayer is later. In the book of Daniel, Daniel is praying, and it's chapter 10 of Daniel. And Daniel prays, and Gabriel is, descended from, is, is deployed from heaven to answer the prayer. But there is a spirit, a demonic spirit. It's called the Persian. It's literally called the Prince of Persia. And there's a war going on in heaven. And the answer doesn't come to Daniel for 21 days. But during that time, Daniel continued to pray. He didn't give up. But finally, his answer came. Listen, if you haven't heard from God yet, if he hasn't given you a yes or a no, don't give up. Keep praying. Ask God to do what you're asking him to do until he gives you an answer. Your answer could be right around the corner. And remember this, God's delays are not God's denials. God's delays are not God's denials. Our sense of timing is flawed, but God's timing is impeccable. He's, fair, he, he's seldom early, never late, but he's always on time. So keep praying. Be persistent to pray until you have an answer. Be patient until God gives you an answer. Third way that God answers prayer is he sometimes answers our prayer better. We could be praying about something, but God wants to do something even better for us. I love what Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Graham, said once. She said, if God answered every prayer of mine the way I wanted him to, I would have married the wrong man seven times. Listen, sometimes God's going to answer your prayer better than what you're asking for. And that's why it's delayed. Four, God may answer your prayer, no. But no is an answer. And if he says no, begin to pray in a different direction. So God can, can answer your prayer quickly, later, better, or no. But he will answer. Today, folks, we're in a battle with an enemy we cannot see. We're in a war with a demonic virus that's trying to kill you and everybody you love. And I want to tell you a story, it's true, a story, about a time when when a disease tried to take my son, my youngest son. We were in a war, and the family was facing this war against a disease. You know I have four kids, Nathan, Joshua, Jonathan, and Abby. And Jonathan was 16 years old, and he began to get a fever. And then all of a sudden he began to throw up, and he never stopped for 57 straight days. He threw up over a thousand times. We're in and out of the hospital 12 different times. And the doctors couldn't figure out what the problem was. But as we prayed and you prayed, God began to reveal literally to the Glovers. Because as we watched our son, uh, Jonathan, eat a cheeseburger, we noticed that he didn't throw up. But the moment he took a sip of water, he immediately began to throw up. So we went back to the doctors and said, we think it's water. Sure enough, they tested it. That was the problem. That if he would sip a, just a sip of water, he would immediately throw up. That was the problem, but they couldn't figure out why. Finally, they brought us into their office and told Tammy and I, listen, we, uh, we have no way of helping your son. We're encouraging you to go to the Cleveland Clinic. We left that room and we were discouraged. But my, one of my daughters, adopted daughter, Amy, called us on the phone and said, won't you come to our church? They have a healing service on Saturday. 
prayer service, healing service. Jonathan, Amy, and Tammy, they went to the service. Barbara Garlington prayed for my son that God would heal him. They walked out of that service, went to get something to eat. But in order to keep my son alive, they had to bring a, a, a feeding tube up his nose, down his throat, into his stomach. We had to give him liquids every day in order to sustain him. So when those liquids weren't there, he would walk around with his feeding tube. But he went into this restaurant this day, and he picked up a glass of water, and he drank the whole glass of water. He drank a gallon of water, ended up pulling out his feeding tube, and God healed my son. Listen, today, right now, we need a miracle. You know, when I look in the scriptures, whether I look in the Old Testament or New Testament, the only time you see anybody experiencing a miracle is because, first of all, they have to have a problem. We have a major problem, a coronavirus. And we need to pray. And listen, when we pray, when we have this problem, we all become a candidate for a miracle. We need to pray that God would eradicate this or God would raise up somebody that would come up with a vaccine to, to eradicate this problem. But we need to pray and God needs us to pray. He wants us to agree with him that his desires would be unleashed in this country, unleashed in this moment in history. And I want to give you a scripture that we need to pray because this scripture, remember I've taught you that we need to we need to pray the truth, the word of God. We live by spirit and truth, truth and spirit. And look at this, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, I want you to pray this. I want you to write this down. I want you to pray for, with this or for this every day. Listen to what it says. If my people who, called, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Pastor Craig referred to this last week. Notice it says there, if we're willing to confess our sins, repent of our sin, seek his face, then he'll hear us. And what he says, he says, I will. I will is I desire. It's a guaranteed promise. I will do this. I will do what? I will hear your prayers. I will forgive your sins, and I will heal your land. If we confess our sins and repent, that's what God says he will do. We need to lock arms, people. We need to pray. We need to ask God that he will heal our land for such a time as this. You know, I wrote this sermon years ago. My daughter, Abby, who's 21 today, was six years old. And I was sitting in the kitchen talking about what I was going to preach on. And Tammy looked at me and she said, you know what? Ed, you're right. God is looking for people who are willing to stand in the gap and pray. And Abby looked up at her mother and said, Mom, what is God looking for? And Tammy said, God is looking for someone to stand in the gap and pray. And my daughter said, Mom, I want to be that person. We knelt down in our kitchen and we prayed the Lord's Prayer. That's what we need to do, my friends. We need to lock arms. We need to agree in Jesus' name that God would destroy this coronavirus, this, this virus. We need to pray that. But you know, I, I'm thinking that there's a couple of you out there that might be wondering, you know, Pastor Ed, I don't even know if my sins are forgiven. I don't even know if I have a relationship with God. Well, I want to remind you what it says in 2, King, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to 
repentance. God's desire is that you won't perish. You know what? In John 3.16, he made it possible. It says, for God so loved you that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And how can you know that you're not going to perish, that you have eternal life? By believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's as simple as ABC. You admit that I'm not, a, that I'm not perfect, that I need a Savior, that you've sinned against God. B, you believe what Jesus did on the cross, he did for you, and what he did on the cross is enough for you. And C, that you commit. You're committing yourself to a living Christ. He died on that cross for your sin and mine. And he walked out of the grave, and he has all power and authority to forgive you of your sin and to give to you eternal life. He lives, and you can have a relationship with him. Would you please, would you please just bow your heads with me and pray? This prayer doesn't save you. If you're not sure that you know Jesus, you can, to, you can today. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. This prayer, again, doesn't save you. This is your way of responding to him. With your eyes closed, just see Jesus walking right up to you. And he's saying, I want to save you. How will you respond? Respond like this. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I ask you to be my savior. I turn from my ways. I turn to you. And I ask you to forgive me and give to me eternal life. In Jesus' name. Amen.